0: Hey, hey, hey! This is Joe Walsh bringing you the Get Out and Surf podcast. This is episode forty. Kind of hard to believe, Nikki. Forty.
1: The big 4-0, Yes, yeah, it's, it's a milestone for us.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're sitting
2: here with uh, Bird Huffman. Bird, welcome to the show. Yeah, forty episodes, boy. This is a highlight for me. So <laughs> I'm uh, very proud to be here with you guys.
0: We're super stoked to have you. Um, we're sitting here in your shaping bay of Bird Surf Shed in San Diego, California. You've got a thousand surfboards out there. I don't know if I've seen this many boards in one spot. Let's just dig right in. Surfboards.
2: Uh, Well, I mean, boards have always been my my thing. I'm 62 now. I got into working at a shop when I was 12, so I've got 50 years this year of working at shops. And I got into shops because I wanted to have good equipment. I've got eight brothers and sisters. Grew up right here in San Diego, and you know, no dough, big family. I could never get good equipment. I figured that working at a shop would be my best in. So at age 12, I started sweeping up and cleaning the wax, and I'm still doing it to the day.
0: (laughs) So where'd you start out? Where was your first uh, surf shop job? It was
2: legendary. It was a select surf shop run by a man named Phil Casanola. At that time, you know, this was about 1970, there were really only about three surf shops in the San Diego area proper. And his was like the coolest, the hardest core. Then you had Gordon Smith a couple blocks away that was, you know, more like your what you would call your more modern surf shop. Now, already they were into a lot of accessory items where we were just basically hardcore surf. And then there were a couple other ones scattered around that were kind of a mixture of both.
0: Okay. And um, you went on, I mean, I grew up here in San Diego. Actually, I think we went to the same high school. Uni.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah. Uni right up on the hill.
0: Yeah, not there anymore unfortunately. The no,
2: yeah. nah, they switched to a girls' name, Cathedral. But yeah, you know, all my <laughs> all my brothers and sisters went there with the exception of my oldest sister went to OLP, which is a, a Catholic, you know, girls high school, and my kids went there, my boys, my daughters.
0: Yeah, I know OLP very well. That's where, when you go to uni or saints, that's where you... uh... The
2: only place you could find the girls in those days.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my first girlfriend was from OLP. Ah. All all girls Catholic school. Can't go wrong.
2: Not too far off.
0: (laughs) So, all right, you grew up in San Diego. Uh, You uh, started working at Select uh, Surf when you were 12.
2: Yeah, right around 12. Luckily for me, the guy that owned it, Phil... He lived, uh, I grew up in Mission Hills, which in San Diego is, uh, in that time was on the dreaded east of I-5 route. And there was no life east of I-5 in the surfer's world. But luckily for me, Phil lived about a block away. And uh, I'd hang at his shop, he'd give me rides home, back to Mission Hills. And, you know, one thing led led to another. and You know, we struck up this, this kind of friendship that took to, turned into a working relationship. And I was with him for about... Solid 10 years.
0: You talk about uh, Mission Hills being uh, really far east. I grew up in Santa, which uh, there's no way... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, serious. Well, they you, put th- you
2: were a cowboy. Yeah,
0: seriously. It wasn't as far. I mean, we had Mission Trails dividing us from the cowboys of El Cajon and Santee. but it's True that. But uh, they put the 52 Highway in. That was a life changer when that happened.
2: Yeah, they've put too much in this town, really, I think. I think they've kind of saturated it through and through with people, and they keep wanting to add more. Yeah. Uh, such as life.
0: Yeah, well, it's a beautiful town. I can see why a lot of people want to come here.
2: I haven't been able to get away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, when I started surfing in the 90s, the very 91, 1990, 91, around there, um, I actually bought my first surfboard from your surf shop. Uh, at the time, you had South Coast.
2: Yeah, I was part of South Coast. Uh, Rob Ard owned uh, two or three of them primarily, and then we partnered up. At that time, I owned my own, Winnancy Beach and Surf that i had for a number of years, and we collaborated together instead of him trying to open a shop on, on my side of the pond, so to speak. We just partnered up and joined forces, and uh, yeah, I ended up having South Coast Winnensees, South Coast Wahinis, and then he had his store separately in OB. So there were corporation on our side, and then individually owned by him.
0: Yeah, I remember there was like multiple uh, locations, yeah. and all I knew was South Coast was the place uh, back then to go and and get dialed. I remember my first board was a South Coast shaped by uh, Perdonovich, I think.
2: And as as we know, we are in the shaping room at Bird Surf Shed right now where Robin still shapes.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, so full circle, huh?
0: Totally, yeah. So a little bit of echo maybe in this episode, but it's because we're sitting here in this killer shaping room, getting foam dust all over everything, but totally love it. we're just checking out some of your slips here, your uh, shaving like, slips. You,
1: yeah, I'm just in awe because like, if these, uh, the floor has been walked by Dane Purley and that man is an amazing, amazing uh, shaper and surfer.
2: Yeah, he is, he's a unique individual. He walked in one day, um, coincidentally, he had married the daughter of uh, one of the legendary local photographer surf guys from Point Loma. And, um, you know, he brought him in to show him the shop. I'd never heard of him, you know I mean? Really, I'd seen the movies, but uh, I'm an older guy, right, so I don't follow the names and things of that sort. But he was huge, you know, he was just a really, really nice guy. And I said, hey, you know, you'd like to shape some boards? Go ahead. At that time, again, I had no idea of the complexity and who he had worked with in the past, you know, 12, 13 years with Bob Pearson, Pearson Arrow. His dad owns the first surf shop ever to open in Washington State called The Surf Shop, and still there. So he's surfer through and through, and he's a... Uh, He's a maniacal shaper. Well, it seems like every
0: surfer who is a true surfer in this town finds their way through the doors of Bird Surf Shed. And that's kind of like really intrigues me. I mean, I I, I can tell when I walk in. First off, this isn't like your stereotypical like retail uh, surf shop. Like, I don't know. You have visions of these shops being like right on like whatever Mission Boulevard or uh, you know, right on the beach. This is in the Morena District, the edge of like where I guess Bay Park meets Linda Vista. What's
2: Exactly. This? That's it. Bay Park, Linda Vista, Marina District is sandwiched right in between them.
0: Yeah. I mean, so you're not right on the surf, but you're actually strategically located to hit every single major wave between Point Loma and Blacks, really.
2: Yeah. Smack dab in the middle. You yeah. Know, you got Max. 15 miles to the north you got swamis or to the south and you've got swamis 15 miles to the north so within that you know 30 mile range probably got 100 different surf spots
0: yeah yeah and and when you walk in the doors this surf shop is the the first thing that's apparent is that you love surfboards there's got to be i don't know how many 500 600 800
2: i mean how many boards are in this building there's like probably fourteen hundred. Oh man! Okay. There's about three or four hundred that hang from the ceiling and off the walls. Um, you know, they're my personal collection, part of my collection, and then obviously on the floor. There's another couple hundred that are for retail, another hundred used ones. So, yeah, we love surfboards.
0: And is it true that you could cruise into this shop and see a board up there that you know maybe might be a twenty or thirty year old board, but you like the way it's built, you'd like the fence whatever it is you want to try it out, you could say, hey, bird, let me try that board, and you would actually loan it to that guy?
2: Yeah, that's pretty much the way it rolls. It, it sounds kind of weird. You know, people have a tendency to want to call the place a uh, museum, but to me, museum connotates sterile and quiet and dusty and... Don't touch. Don't touch, and here it's all the opposite, you know. So most anybody that rolls in, you know, if they haven't tried a, a fish, maybe, or a old pintail or skip fry or whatever I, I i'm honored to let them ride one of those boards it doesn't cost them anything they just sign their name on the line and you know there's no deposit it's just go out and write it treat it with respect and please bring it back that I think
1: yeah that is like that that just blow my mind it really does is like you go into all these other sort of surf shops and it is like please do not touch the boards don't do this so like it's very difficult to get an idea of you know what you want to you know pick it up want to have a real look at it you know and try it out and also like coming in it's not the amount of boards it is the diversity it is the, the the all these there's all these single fins twin fins knee boards um you know it's it's unbelievable it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful Yeah, you you've kind of
0: broken the rules on uh, retail though haven't you i mean isn't the is aren't you supposed to only have a small number of surfboards in your shop because they take up the most amount of floor space they have the smallest margins and uh aren't you supposed to be selling like uh just a ton of soft goods isn't that is not the supposed to be the recipe
2: um well i've done all that you know i mean i've been doing it for 50 years so i've seen the rise in the fall and i think the rise right now is more or less what i've been doing for the past 10 years here the fall is all those big type of shops you mentioned you know everybody that carries the major brands obviously nothing wrong with it i was a part of it i've made those brands grow sold them for 20 plus years at south coast but that whole time, my heart has always been into the surfboards, and uh, I was out at uh, restaurants once in uh, Fiji, and I was just having this kind of flashback moment. On you know, I'm 54 at that time, what am I going to do with all the boards I have? You know, am I going to continue to hang out at Select, doing what I don't really love, or am I going to be able to come back and do something with what I've got? So I chose to come back, take a different path, kind of turn it more like it was when I was a kid in Select, and. Uh, gamble throw the dice that people would pick up on the place that they would appreciate what i had to offer and um so far it seems to be working
0: yeah, i think you're a little bit ahead of your time i mean with uh, all these shops opening up especially in places like airports and tourist centers like i was riding my bike by seaport village and there's a shop down there and there's a you know there seems to be like a there's a rip curl shop in the houston airport and you go to like the middle america and you see these surf shops selling the image but I mean, that's not really, is that really a surf shop? I mean, I guess technically, but is it?
2: No, not to me at all. You yeah. know, I mean, they're more like a 7-Eleven type of a franchise. You know, basically they carry the same things and they don't have anything to offer to keep the culture of surfing alive at all, you know, Yeah, in and, fact, and that's like important to me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not even a re- requisite to be a surfer to work in those places. They don't know about boards for the majority of the shops and uh, they don't care about the boards. And again, without the boards, there is no surfing. So um, to me, it's all about the boards. So while they push people away from boards and don't want to deal with it, that creates a little niche that I have where they literally send people to me. Everybody knows, hey, you want boards, go to bird. So that helps me make a living because you don't have a much margin on a surfboard. But if you have volume, then you know that will, that will suffice. And I never got in it to make a million bucks anyways. Yeah.
1: It is... A unique surf shop it is a unique approach but like I, we were talking earlier you were saying like the the surf shop is you so I think yeah the the point is is that that's the kind of a uh, vibe and culture that you want to continue and it's a uh, it's really nice that someone is wanting to continue the the culture the most important part
0: bird I could tell from the moment I mean I've been in here many times but you know we came into to your shop today to do this episode number 40 you were Educating a young surfer out here on the board that he needed to get next. Not that you weren't even trying to sell him. I was listening to your conversation. I don't think you heard you saw me watching, but I was paying close attention. First off, you don't see the owners of surf shops hanging out for 20 minutes with a customer and then in the conversation with, you know, you, you, you said something to the effect of like you don't need to even buy a board, but at least you know like what you should be looking for, type type message. And you know, in this day and age of people buying shit online and all of these shops that barely carry boards, you've got you've got this completely different approach of, there's a, 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 you're, you're sharing your surfboard collection, you're sharing your knowledge, you're educating the surfers in the community and you've created a place that you don't have to be at a surf spot. In fact, people come and seek you out and you're not even easy to find. You gotta go down like a one-way road and you gotta bend around and come back. It's like, if you don't know San Diego,
2: you're not finding it totally Uh,
1: oh i wouldn't have found this like we went on a big bike ride and i would have get lost even just to
2: here (laughs) well you know i mean in order for me to the the shed is located in a four thousand square foot quonset hut that has 25 foot high ceiling and if you don't know what a quonset hut is it's like a tin can cut in half literally a metal building from the world war ii vintage this was built in the early 40s or mid 40s after the war ended so it just uh, was a logical place. I used to live in them when I was in Hawaii, and smaller ones when I was a kid, you know, surfing the North Shore, because they were cheap. And I always had a thing for Quonsets. And when this one became available, it just kind of was meant to be, you know. It all stemmed from that day at uh, restaurants in Fiji, really, you know. I mean, I just said a little prayer, looked up to the Lord and said, what do I do? You know, I'm offering it up, and he, he hasn't let me down since. He's kept the door wide open kept my connection with the people right there. And on a different quick note, just to answer sort of what you guys were talking about is I, I owe the surfing community. I owe Bill Castor. I owe Skip Fry. I owe Hank Warner. I owe Mike Doyle. I owe you guys. I owe everybody who surfs because of what I've been blessed with, what I have achieved and you know, it hasn't been by myself. It's been the whole community that it reinforces me. So if I don't have that kind of attitude that i that i like to have then i feel that i'm doing a disservice to the whole thing of surfing so you know people go oh what a great guy well i'm a nice guy but i mean i i owe it so that's sort of the way i look at it you know yeah. I mean, you've got you got to put it forward it's all about putting it forward i love yeah. that i yeah. love that it's good that's yeah. the back, attitude back.
0: that you should have and it seems like that's like you're the minority with that outlook
2: yeah, maybe you know from a business standpoint, I used to drive my partners probably nuts because I was the same way with them. My whole approach is to describe, explain, get in with somebody's you know um, consciousness on where they're coming from. It's never for sale. I'd rather have them walk away and then come back later. I'd rather have them go and look around on Craigslist or offer up or whatever, and then um, hopefully not make a mistake and then come back later. maybe they'll buy a wetsuit or They'll buy the next board for me, whatever, you know. um, All I know is when they leave, I'm trying to make sure they they had a great experience, they've got a big smile on their face, and that they're stoked on surfing, whether or not they're surfers or not. I get so many people in here now that know nothing about surfing that just like the environment of the building and and the stuff in here.
0: So... you also do more than just have a surf shop like You have movie nights here. I've seen photos of yeah. like weddings and yeah. uh, large events, big like some place packed with like hundreds of people. And oh, yeah. Photos that I saw.
2: Yeah. Weddings, you know, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter and her husband, uh, Annika and, and her husband Ben, you know, I let them use the facility uh, if they want to organize weddings. We do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fundraising uh, events in here as well. We do movie premieres, book signings, anything. And a lot of it is to help bring in extra cash to keep the place going. But the majority of it generally is just because it's all part of that surf community. Totally. You know, so anything that's uh, a wedding or something that obviously isn't related to me or the shed, then I'm not as big of a part of that. But if it's something like, you know, bringing awareness uh, to... Suicide, you know, bringing awareness to um, other other things that trouble surfers and other people, there's not much of a better place to come in and, and kind of air that out because it's, it's a really neutral spot, you know. Nobody brings attitude in here. It just disappears.
0: Yeah, it's a very, very chill environment. And you guys just recently were part of that— oh man, I'm going to get the name wrong. Was it the Boys to Men?
2: Yeah, my favorite group, the mentoring Boys to Men.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I heard that on the radio, which, by yeah. the way— you're like the voice of surf on the radio in this town. I feel like I've been listening to you give the surf reports for, how long have you been doing the surf report on the radio?
2: Uh, I mean, since the 70s, you know, in various different different radio stations and different incarnations. I'm proud to be with 91X right now. They're pretty much a legendary station. For sure. And uh, I'm proud to be with them. But I've been working with Surfline, I think, for like 36 years, you know, as a, uh, not a forecaster, but as a coordinator of the San Diego area. And, um, Back when it was like 976 Surf? Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I could tell you stories, but that's a, for another day. But I, you know, I've done a lot of things that people hated before. Obviously, that was one of them. Selling firewire surfboards, people hate me for it. Selling surf techs, you know, boards that are made offshore. Um, it's a fine line between you know, trying to you know, be the soul guy or whatever you want to call it and then being a business person. And then more importantly for me is just being a surfer. So again, surfboards are my life. So if the surfboard isn't made in this country, but it's a better type of design or if it's something that works well and it's legitimate, I'm not going to say no to it, you know. I'm concerned about, you know, how it's made. I'm concerned about the quality of the environment or who's making it and all that kind of stuff. I don't fill this place up with China stuff at all. But the boards that I have that are not made in this country are high-end, specialized surfboards, that fit right in with all the high end and the basic custom boards that we do here from all the guys I've grown up with. So it's a it's a good synergy in yeah. my mind. And there's there's
0: a place in the market for that that hundred dollar Costco foamy board or absolutely you know that that really durable epoxy maybe torque board that you can still yep. make some turns on, but it's definitely lower end. And if you're not really that experienced with surfing, you know, you can you can bump it. You can, you know, it's, it's, it's but, not a...
1: But it's an entry level. It's a journey. You know, you start off the surfing and not too many people go out there and, you know, get an $800, $900 board. So, you know, they, they start with something like that and then it, it helps them on their journey and that passes on and passes on until they, you know, hopefully get to the point of where they're looking at their custom and uh, higher end boards.
2: Yeah, well the whole thing for me is that they're surfing it all and whatever they want to ride, you know, if it takes them to the next level, you have to be able to supply that for them. You know, I look at so many people that go online and and buy such terrible stuff, swap meets garage sales, because they're so uh, unaware and and unknowledgeable about what really it takes to to get you in the water on a decent board. They come in with, you know, an eight-foot pintail that somebody sold them you couldn't ride that when it was new 10 years ago. But, you know, they got it for 100 bucks on offer up or whatever. So I have to try to work them through that, try to get them over that shock, let them borrow boards that actually work for them, explain to them what they have, and ultimately sometimes have to uh, tell them that what they've got isn't going to cut it and they, they need to hang it on the wall or, um, you know, try to find somebody that could actually ride it. So, you know, it's not easy, you know, I mean— and people think you're always selling them a, a bill of goods. That's the other thing that's funny. I'm so straight out and open that they're always kind of, not always, but they're kind of, what's this guy's angle? You know, like, why Why is he, he's, is he really this way? Yeah, sorry, folks. That's just the way I've always been.
0: You're sharing your passion and your knowledge yeah. for something you know very intimately, very, yeah. very well. That's why the core surfers in this community come to your shop. I think they get that.
2: Yeah they get it for sure I think you know again most of them I've known you know I've known their dads you know I've known their granddads you know, I've been doing it 50 years that's a long time to be in the water that's a lot of people to service you know over the years and uh it's you know the best form of advertisement is always word of mouth you know so um yeah I mean I'm again I'm just I'm stoked when anybody comes in you know so and so told me to stop in or you know, I, I nowadays it's Yelp and all that other stuff, which I really don't understand too much. But um, obviously, it has an impact, you know, on on uh, on a business for you. So you know, you want to make sure everybody's just happy. Yeah, it's easier. It's so much easier just to do it where everybody's happy instead of having to go home at night and, wow, man, that was that was a tough day. I don't have tough days too often when it comes to the surfboard part of things. You know, I usually can go home and. Leave my head in the pillow and go, okay, i got at least two or three people out the door today that have a chance of, you know, experiencing what to me is one of the the best things in the world, which is surfing.
0: You know, when I walk into your shop and I see all of these uh, boards on the wall and then also on the racks, I'm reminded of the historical significance that San Diego surfers, San Diego shapers, the history of surfing and how many, uh, Phenomenal shapers and surfboard designs came out of San Diego.
2: Yeah, I get in that argument all the time with people. You know, um, obviously maybe I've got a bias because I was raised here, um, but San Diego is very, very unique in the innovation and in exactly what you spoke about. San Diego is a border town, very quiet. The surfers are not boisterous like they are in other areas. You know, the center part of the state is is kind of. You know, a little louder, a little brasher than we are down here and be it Steve List or Skip Fry or, you know, Jeff McCollum or whoever out of this area. Nobody ever really talks themselves up much because there's too many good people around them. Nobody is higher than anybody else. They're all to have their place and they're comfortable with their place and they're comfortable about kind of flying below the radar. If people get it and they want it, we've got it. And if you don't, if you want something glamorous and you want, you know, Big names and high-dollar boards and things of that nature. Nothing wrong with that either. But it, it's just down here. It's more creative, more open.
0: It almost seems like the top shapers, the board builders here in the area, are, are for the most part very unassuming, and probably because there's such talent.
2: That's I couldn't have said it better myself. You pretty much said it in four words what I was trying to say it in <laughs> in, in, in twenty minutes. But 100 percent unassuming. I want to shape your board if you want a board. This is what I do. This is how I do it and um you know no, nobody's making a million dollars off of it it's like i'm not making a million dollars off of this but they're putting out some of the best equipment ever and um whoever is lucky enough to come down and get a board built out of san diego or lives here they're going to walk away with something they can be proud of
1: definitely craftsmen you know like real true tradesmen and like uh, and uh i suppose like artists in a way you know yep. they're putting their putting their signature on these boards and they're they're pure craft
2: yeah and that, i mean again throughout california there's massive amount of craftsmen that are that are hidden amongst the, the walls and so forth and you know they're still doing the same thing you know we're not obviously the only ones doing it um but i think from day one you know a lot of it started here you look back at the tom or the uh pat Currens, you know you look back at the diffender the casters the Gordons and the Smiths and you know a wide wide variety of people that really were in on the beginning of the industry in on going to Hawaii for the first time in on you know surfing more radical waves like Winnensee and so forth the root of California surfing um, Bob Simmons you know I mean it doesn't it doesn't uh run much deeper than it does here you know it gravitates up and down the coast definitely but San Diego's unique I like it you know
0: What would you you say is the most
2: influential
0: design or attribute to a surfboard that came from San
2: Diego? If I had to try to decide that, I'd probably put it on Skip Skip Fry and his egg. You know, the simple basic egg, which is pretty much, in my opinion, one of the best universal surfboards you can have. One of the most versatile uh, surfboards. And he's kind of known for that design. People have always made wider, rounder boards and so forth but his combination of the outlines the flow of the boards the lower rockers um, i think that's been a major major influence along with his smooth style of surfing for clean simple workable surfboards yeah so skip
0: Skip fry is definitely a legend here
2: yeah we literally
1: just um we were in uh, muskegon in michigan for the great lake surf festival and our good friend larry he was like, uh, we have a mutual friend back in Costa Rica. He's like, oh, my friend's been looking for this. Uh, f- uh, he wants an egg. And I've got this skip fry egg. And he's like, I can't remember what, uh, what, what, I can't remember what size it was. It's Like a 7'2 or something like that. Yeah. And so we wrapped it up, shipped it all the way back. And uh, yeah, we, uh, me and my buddy, we took it out. and It, uh, it,
0: it, it made it unscathed.
1: Completely unscathed.
0: And it was a bubble wrap job. Lucky.
1: Yeah, and, this, and, you know, and uh, Larry, true, he got a skip fry, um, nice single fin on there. And we went and surfed it, and it's just magical. Yep. Yeah. Just magical. And he said he found a buddy of his had this in his garage for, like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that.
2: On the uh, In the east coast, or in the uh, central area
1: In, of the in state. Michigan.
2: Yeah, well, a, a funny story is, you know, again, out of select, um, there's a friend that I know really well. We call him the kid, but he used to hang out there when he was 12. I was, like, 18. And he was had family back there so you know he would go back every year he still does and we i sent quite a few surfboards back to michigan over the years and we had quite a few build for certain people so i bet you if i saw that board or whatever um i bet you i've got a little dna in that thing somewhere
1: wow that would be amazing you know that's what i love about the surfing world it's a it's very large and wide but you know the connections are very uh very short
2: i like the shop each board has a story that's why i have them up there you know people go well why that one why this one why that one because it doesn't matter you know if they're named board or a really famous shape or anything to me it's who made the board where it was written by who who owned it all these little nuances that you know you can pull a board down i can at least and i can tell you exactly how it's somehow related to the other board and these boards could be made 20 years apart a thousand miles away but there's intricacies and surfboards that follow through from generation the generation and shaper the shaper and ultimately that's probably why i've always been so fascinated by surfboards
0: there are some amazing waves here in san diego yeah Uh, there's some amazing reefs beach breaks and you have a little bit everything this might be kind of a hard question but what is the best surfboard to go surf here in san diego if you had to have one board what would it be
2: I'd stick with that fry egg. The fry egg? Yeah, I'd stick with the fry egg or maybe a winter egg or a magic, which is all a slight variation of, of a basic egg. Some are a little bit narrower, some have a little bit more pointy nose, but you know, there is a lot of variety, but mostly it is a softer breaking area. And um, for the most part, you're better off with lower entry rockered boards with more width and more thickness, you know. So, when the reefs are firing, yeah, specialty boards can come out, but. You know, you might have to wait a month before you really need to have a board like that.
0: Yeah, maybe you get on like a, a skip-fry egg, and you're still surfing blacks when it's well overhead. and You can handle it. And you're catching great waves at shores when it's only thigh-high.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a pretty versatile, uh, versatile board to have one like that, you know. Yeah. That or, again, you know, back to Stevie, you know, Stevie Liss and fish. A, a fish, you know. People, again, for whatever reason, think fishes are made for small grovelly waves. And in essence, no, they were made for a, a particularly gnarly, not gnarly, but a very hollow barreling uh, wave. And you know, they accelerate and they really come into their own more when you have a better, proper way for it. They'll work in the gravel because they're wide and they're full, but that's not what they were made for.
0: Yeah, those big keel fins holding in on a bigger wave. huh? Oh boy, and driving. I yeah. just saw
2: a thing on Surfline today about uh lovelace guy i can't remember his first ryan lovelace making a fish and there's some guy in indo surfing on this fish like i've never seen in big big indo ways just ripping and it you know just kind of really validates that point that you know a good board underneath the feet of a good surfer can be ridden just about anywhere yeah i'm i'll admit
0: i'm not a surfing historian i try to learn whatever i can and i ask the experts so i'm going to ask you steve liss the fish did the whole fish movement start here in san diego
2: yeah absolutely unequivocally um 100 watch the video watch fish it's just a video on um on the evolution of the the fish and um, i don't think there's anybody that disputes that there's been split tails before. There's been multiple fins before, but the actual fish design, as it is spelled out in that movie, it's a brilliant movie, and um, yeah, I mean it's it just plugs right in. So a kneeboarder, I grew up being a kneeboarder. So how are you going to get into the barrel deeper? And you know that was his thoughts on doing it, and he just designed something that he thought would be the best, uh, the best for that. It just so happens that once people started standing up on them they realized that they were good for a lot more than just kneeboarding yeah and I mean if we, we, you think of the amount of fishes I mean, that was an in-and-out fad back in the 70s it's never left San Diego but I mean it was one and done after about three or four years maybe you know it lasted longer than the stinger but not much people were on the, you know the other things but since we did that fish fry and a couple other things that have brought the, the fishes back to the uh, forefront so to speak Man, there's a million out there. What was the fish fry, sorry? I had this little thing in my mind once. You know, I do this every once in a while. I had a bunch of fishes. You know, I mean, I got about 150 of them. And I was just sitting in my old shop, and I'd go, I called up my friend Joe Roper, who's master surfer, board you know, uh, repair guy, and he makes great fish tacos. So I said, hey, <laughs> Joe, let, let's have, let's have a, a fish day. You know, let's just have a day of fishes. So I just put the word out, hey, this day at PB in front of my shop, I'm bringing down a dozen fishes. And if you want to come down and ride a fish, come on down. Roper's going to cook tacos, and we called it the fish fry. And that was the first fish fry. And, you know, I mean, next thing you know, you got Richard Kenvin came down, and he made T-shirts for it. All really, really organic. You know, nobody had planned anything. It was phone calls. By the end of the day, there was probably 30, 40 fishes down there. You had Skip come by, of course, you know, Hanson. I mean, you had people coming out of nowhere, which was cool, and then you had all these people that had never, ever experienced a fish get out there and do it. Um, and after that, I guess, I think they're still having them around the world, other places. We let it go after that. I know they did them up in Oceanside. I went to a few, but they, they immediately got commercial, you know, where people wanted to make money on it. They wanted to sell products. This guy's board's better than your board, and that totally wiped out the thrill for me
1: yeah it lost the essence of yeah. what it's truly about
2: i did another one quadrophenia where i did a thing with nothing with quad fins you know one year and you know we do old like caster days where we break out nothing but casters so you know i, I like to kind of keep that kind of stuff going the history is the essence you know when i talk with people i, I will not speak about anything um unless i have spoken to somebody who's firsthand and or somebody who I, I trust like a brother that maybe has, has heard it secondhand before I will try to validate something or I will make a stand like, no, this, this is what I know and this is why I know it. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, you could be very right. Now, this is the way I've heard it. But, you know, I'm very, very careful about anything I really want to make a stand on because, um, you know, I don't want to be a jackass. And, uh, I you know, I, I want to keep it real. I want to keep it truthful.
0: Yeah, I think your philosophy of how you run your shop and how you were hosting those fish fries is like very similar. Yeah, and um, and probably what has given you such legend status in this
2: surf community, Bird.
0: When you paddle out, what's your favorite spot?
2: Uh, I like this little spot down there in Sunset Cliffs. Probably is one of my most favorite still. You know, it always has been. It's still pretty tight. You know, still people don't wear cords. It's still uh, a lot of respect down there. And then, you know, I mean, I love Sea too, which is like chaos in in a can in some ways. But um, there's so many places in San Diego. I mean, PB Point, I don't care. I surfed La Jolla Shores today and I had a great time. So, I mean, take take your pick, man. It's wide open from IB as far north as you want to go.
0: Yeah, San Diego is pretty blessed. You look at Mm -hmm. Los Angeles just to the north, and I always like, compare the two cities, L.A. is so much bigger and uh, so many more people. San Diego still has plenty of people, but I feel like we uh, unfairly get so many more waves in San Diego than the uh, L.A. area, or at least the quality of waves, I feel like. Uh, yeah,
2: there's no doubt about that. You know, I mean, you've got beach breaks up there and then you've got beach breaks and then you might have a jetty, you know, and then you've got more beach breaks. And you got so, a lot of people at Malibu. Yeah, you know, so okay. yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely, you know, better off in a lot of ways from up in that area attitude-wise and just, uh, you know, just in general. You know, I mean, it's, it's a nice place to hang out. You know, I can skip that whole area and jump right back into Ventura and work my way back up, and I get that same kind of vibe. But yeah. that little area between the two, um, you know, it's kind of pretty Hollywood-ish, you know.
0: Yeah, what, so you hit Ventura and what, out C Street? It's the. Uh... Yeah,
2: I like to go a little bit down. There's a place that begins with an O. I like to surf the shores down there and— in those little areas, when they let me, and um, pretty much we you know wherever I can, kind of, kind of. At 62 years of age, nobody says nothing sure. anymore, pretty much. Because like, what's the deal? But you isn't know? it
0: gotten mellower too? I mean, isn't it like? I mean, I hear stories of just even before I started surfing. Sounds like the 70s and into the 80s here, in Southern California was people were a little brutal with their with their territorialism.
2: It was extremely brutal. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you would go a quarter mile from one break to another. Win see to South Bird, South Bird to PB Point. You had different a different group of uh, warriors at each one of those spots. I was lucky because when I surfed the cliffs, people thought I was from La Jolla, and I have two extremely talented brothers who were kneeboarders and great guys. So I had kind of a hall pass, and when I was in La Jolla, they thought I was from the Cliffs. So nobody really ever really got on my case.
0: That you're, you're from, you're inland.
2: That I was a full inlander, you know, <laughs> and I worked to select. And out of select, everybody who was anybody came through that shop. You know, Barry Kaniapuni, Yancey Spencer. I mean, anybody came in that store. Much like this store, they didn't buy much because there wasn't much to buy, but it was a focal point. It was a meeting point. And that ultimately is what I want the shed to be known for is it's, it's, you know, for surfers to come, hang out. I love talking, you know, about boards. Do I make a sale? Sure, but it's more about the education, and I learn something new every day from somebody, you know, about something in life. You know, it's not always just about surfing. Sometimes it's the attitude. I work a lot with, uh, you know, surfers that have special needs too. I've done that for years on building special equipment for people and um, t- talk about learning something from people. Try talking to the guy from England that's uh, blind, world champion, you know, and and you get a whole just different perspective on, on life and, and everything. So, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, we have a good friend of ours, our, our, our John Becker. He was unfortunately attacked by a crocodile oh, yeah. and lost his leg. And uh, we wow. literally just did a podcast with him and it wasn't so much obviously about the uh, incident but so much more about his positivity and the getting back in the water a year later in pretty much the same spot because he just wanted to surf with his sons. That's all he wanted to do, you know? And so like like you say, working with those type of people, you really learn a lot, you know? You really do, yeah. you know? And you can have these um, these issues that can come up in life and they're really just little speed bumps in the road compared to other people, you know? And you've got someone that's blind and is getting out <laughs> and, yeah, and surfing. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: None of us have anything to worry about in no. this, this world in comparison to so many other other people in the world. You know, you just can't lose sight of that. That's why I feel it's so important to have that giving nature, you know. For, for anybody in any situation, it's just a lot easier to say goodbye to somebody and have somebody smiling than it is to be rude, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm human, you know. I mean, somebody cuts me off in the street. Yeah, sure. I'm going to bark once in a while. I mean, I'm no saint. But overall, you know, you, you try, you try to do what's right by people. You want to, you know, to treat them like you hope they will treat you or other people, and it's just a more comfortable existence for everybody.
1: Yeah, we we paddled out, but for me, the first time at Scripps yesterday, and you know, really fun little wave. Yeah. And I was, I've always been like, I expected it to be a little bit more the crowd and yeah. everything, but. I think maybe if i'm going out there with a smile on my face because i'm just happy to be here and happy yep. to like experience this and the waves were great i haven't surfed in like three weeks so i was like i was just like so happy just to be in the water and so everyone else is just like smiling back and just like having a good time and you know everyone was getting waves there was i didn't feel any hostility whatsoever
2: no i've noticed that because i surf right down the beach from where you were at the shores you know two blocks three blocks away water 70 air 70 beautiful fun clean offshore winds for the first time in months so yeah instead of everybody getting piggy it's almost been the opposite like what it's like thanksgiving time like everybody's like oh bro that was a sick wave you had not always the case but it's sure no. nice when that happens yeah, there it is um well if you are passing through san diego
0: definitely come and check out bird surf shed located on uh west morena or
2: actually yeah was, 1091 west morena boulevard it's a bitch to find, but it's worth it if you can find it. That's for sure.
1: It is. It's an Aladdin's cave.
2: Yeah, it's trippy. Again, you got to go down that one-way back street, circle around, and you know, I mean, it's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Though you get yeah. in here and you're just like blown away. I feel
0: like I should be asking you, seeing all these boards, knowing your history in surfing, and watching the development of surfboards through the last fifty years. What's gonna happen in the future? What's the future of surfboards look like?
2: The the future of surfboards is, for one thing, it's the best it's ever been right now because everybody's minds have opened up. You know, the shackles are off. You know, nobody's painting themselves any longer into the thin, narrow, super rockery boards. You can ride wherever you want. Uh, I don't care, you're surfing. You're riding a stand-up paddleboard, that's still surfing. Maybe not so much my thing, but it's surfing. You're riding a hand plane, you're surfing. You're riding a raft, you're surfing. So, I mean, the, the act of riding a wave is surfing and on whatever type, shape, form of equipment you want. That's all fine with me as long as you don't mess with somebody else's fun. You know, I, I can't stand somebody paddling around me. I can't stand 50 guys on soft wanting to take over a, a beach because, you know, it's, it's a cool thing at the expense of everybody who el- else is out there. You know, go out, ride what you want, have fun, and make sure everybody else is having fun. And I don't care what you ride. And surfboards are just going to get better, you know. Innovation is around the corner you know stuff that we never thought of is coming out i think it'll be more materials in the immediate future the different kind of composition of surfboards will be probably how they're built and um and with that will come design changes so So
0: like uh these new
2: firewires where they're using wool. like yeah uh, i think everyone's just
1: trying to find more sustainable absolutely you know and i think that's really where it's going to go
2: and those things were good. I mean, I've ridden those things. Yeah. Luckily for me, I've been with those guys since you know, since before they were Firewire. So I've watched that whole, that whole thing evolve as well. And, um, you know, they're there to make money. Mark Price is a smart cookie. But they are definitely committed to a more, uh, you know, earth-friendly surfboard. And, um, you know, I think most people are realizing that. I think the world in general is stepping up to that. It's why I don't throw away any boards. My friend brings me boards from the dump. We recycle everything. You know, people use them for art. You know, sometimes they reshape them, whatever. But um, we do have wetsuits. Make yoga mats out of wetsuits. So everybody can do something uh, to make it better.
0: Yeah, because well, let's be honest here: surfboards are not the most environmentally friendly things out there by any means. It's petroleum based. It's... Yeah,
2: it's it's the the great evil that no one wants to talk about in, in some aspects. But if you utilize them um, and keep riding them, I mean, they have a really long lifespan. Sure. It might not fit your style anymore, but you know, if it's not one of those little pinchy boards, if it's a wide, fat, round, old egg that's warped from 59, I mean, it's, that's still got life in it. Yeah. You, know, you just want to kind of recirculate it through the, uh, through the, uh, the crowds and the, and the people and feel the differences of the boards. You know? It's like a time warp, you can go back in time you ride a board from 1959, maybe even an earlier one out of Balsa Wood. Full time warp, you'll appreciate the equipment you have now, and it'll throw you back into a simpler time. And you know, you, you learn from that stuff.
0: Yeah. Plus, your surfing really does improve the more types of boards you ride, and the more uh, the more open mind you are with your approach to surfing. Your longboarding helps your shortboarding. You, know, you ride some of these older boards that maybe. Um, just have a very different sort of setup than what you're used to riding, and you have to almost relearn how to how to surf on that board. But it it, uh, it I think it pushes you and makes you a more well-rounded surfer.
2: Yeah, it's kind of odd sometimes when somebody goes, "Well, what are you?" I'm, "What do you mean? Are are you a longboarder? Or are you a shortboarder?" I'm a surfer. You know, see. I mean, I, I, it doesn't make a difference to me. It's like I ride this today, I ride that tomorrow. Um, you know, whatever. And you're right. The more you ride, the better idea you have of what's out there. People really paint themselves in the corner sometimes and just skip over something. perfect example is twin fins. Twin fins were ripping, they still rip, but along came the tri-fin. So automatically, everything on twin fins was like you couldn't give them away. You know? And there's ideas now that are coming back in, such as twins, such as channel bottoms, quads, whatever. They're finding life again now because people are opening up their minds to all the differences that you can have, and then they're getting creative and combining different bottom contours, different outlines, different fin setups, now with different materials. So it's like, man, it's exciting. In all the years I've been doing it, I'm as excited now as I've ever been.
0: Yeah, because you would, even just 10 years ago, never see the local surfers walking from their truck down to the break with some short, wide, flat-nosed, just completely Alternative shape, yep. you know, and now I feel like I'm not surprised by anything I see. See some guy riding a four six. Seeing some guy riding like a, I mean, I don't know. The, oh,
1: there was a guy there today. I'm like, he must have been in like a, a like eight zero oh and under. I really don't know, but that thing was beat up and yellow, no leash. And he was a young guy, and he was absolutely shredding it.
2: Yeah, guys pride themselves on that almost now. It's like you know that you can call a hipster movement. I mean, you can call anything and whatever you want. To me, it's just somebody expressing themselves in, in whatever way they want to, on whatever board they want to do it on. You know, it does not have to be the shiny beauty whatsoever. You know, I mean, look around you. You guys know what it's like out here. It's like a, it's like a smorgasbord of of old, new, and and everything in between. But it all has a purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing's apparent when you come to San Diego and you paddle out. The level of surfing is very high. A lot of talented surfers out there. Um, lo- very open mindedness as far as I'm seeing really good classic longboarding, high performance longboarding. Just I'm seeing dudes on shortboards bus in three sixty years like nothing. Like nothing. Like, like nothing. Um, you know, like in everything in the middle, all sizes, all shapes. It's a it's a diverse crowd of very talented surfers and
2: uh, quite a few women.
1: I mean, yeah,
2: like women are blowing my mind on, on you know their whole their whole take on things. You know, it's to me again. It's, it's just a super exciting time in surfing because it's open so wide open now. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bird, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show, dude. Fortieth
0: episode, number four zero, dude. What's four four, four zero, yeah. Four zero.
1: We we started this as just a little bit of a passion project, and you know, just again wanted to share stories and share the stoke.
2: Well, your passion shows the same. It's been—I've done more than a few of these kind of things before, but it's—it's um, it's rare that you get people such as yourselves that have the real insight and who I actually feel are are as excited about what I'm doing and want to share that with everybody else as well. So, you know, I thank you guys very much, and God bless you both.
0: Right on, Bird. Thanks so much. Cheers. Pura vida. Thanks for listening to the Get Out and Surf podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Witches Rock Surf Camp, located beachfront in Tamarindo, Costa Rica. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. That would be great. That's it. We'll see you next week, same place, same time, with another episode of Get Out and Surf. Pura Vida y nos vemos.